One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Good morning, church. Uh, What a great time of worship. And uh, I hope that you are sensing the presence of God today, wherever you're at. And uh, even as we're singing that song, Be Enthroned Upon Our Praises, I'm reminded of uh, Isaiah chapter 6, when the prophet Isaiah says these words, In the year that King uh, Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord. In other words, in the moment of difficulty, in the moment of pain and loss and suffering, I also saw the Lord. And I believe that's a powerful reminder for every one of us today uh, that when we're facing difficulty, if we can lift our eyes off of our circumstances and onto Jesus, that there is a, a place of faith, a place of encouragement. And so I hope you sense that today, even in our time of worship together, that you're lifting your eyes off of your circumstances, off of your challenges, and on to Jesus. And uh, I just want to take a moment to welcome all of you today. Uh, I want to say a special welcome to those of you who are our guests, maybe first time uh, with us today at One Church, whether you're here in the Orlando area or tuning in uh, from somewhere else. We are so glad uh, and so honored that you would be with us today. Also, I want to welcome all of you who are a part of our One Church family. Maybe you're watching at home uh, today with your family, with a couple of friends. Maybe you're joining us in a house church gathering today. Uh, wherever you are joining us, we hope that you sense the presence of God. And, and I just want to remind you that church uh, is not limited to the four walls of the building, that wherever we're at, as we enter into the presence of God, that God is with us and uh, that He has the ability to change our lives. And so I hope that you are in that place of faith wherever you're at in, in the natural today. And if you have your Bibles today, why don't you grab them with me and turn to the book of Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah chapter 29. And uh, for those of you who are a part of our church family, you know that we usually speak in series, uh, maybe through a book of the Bible or maybe on a, a biblical theme. Uh, but I just feel the Lord's put some things on my heart uh, for the, the next few weeks that will just be kind of standalone uh, messages. And so if you have your Bible today, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29. And uh, I, I want to speak to you today a message that I'm calling Living in Exile. Living in exile. That word exile means to be separated from home, separated from uh, the, the place of comfort, the place of familiarity, to be taken into uh, a place that uh, is unfamiliar, that is uncomfortable. And, you know, in many ways, we are in that sort of place. Uh, here we are in August of 2020, and who would have ever dreamed that this year and this month would look like this? We began the year as a church with a vision that we said was to uh, seek the kingdom of God here as in heaven. Uh, who would have known that uh, just a few months into the year, uh, as we're living with that theme here as in heaven, that it would seem that all hell would break loose and uh, we never would have imagined it. Um, and, and here in the book of Jeremiah, we find God's people in a similar place. Uh, if you know the story of the Old Testament, the story of the Jewish 
people, you know that God had promised to them uh, to give them a place, the promised land, that he would take them into that place and that he would bless them, that he would provide for them, that he would live there with them and that through them, he would bless the whole world through their lives. And you know the story, you know that Moses, or actually Joshua, led the children of Israel into the promised land. They experienced God's goodness really is an example to all of the people of the world. But here in Jeremiah, we find something that they did not expect has occurred. Uh, they have been taken over by the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar. They've been dragged away into exile in Babylon, something they had not expected. The Bible says this in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. I love that verse and that passage in particular, Jeremiah Chapter 29, verse 11, is a verse that many of us are familiar with. It's kind of a coffee cup verse. It's a verse that people love to quote, for I know the plans I have for you. I remember getting that on a high school graduation card because it's a verse that is filled with expectation, that's filled with excitement, that's filled with, with hope. And we all love that verse, but oftentimes we forget the context of that verse. That that verse came at a time when Israel was in a, a place of difficulty. As I said, they had been dragged away from their homeland, dragged away from that place of comfort. Many of them even separated from their families, their loved ones, longing to return back to that place. And in the middle of that that place of exile comes this word that I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans uh, to, to give you a hope and to, and to give you a future. And, and what an encouragement as they were feeling a million miles away from God's plan and God's purpose for their lives. I don't know if, if you have ever felt that way before, but I have. Have you ever felt yourself or found yourself in a moment where you feel like, God, you've said something to me. You've promised something to me. Maybe I've even begun to step into what I sensed you say to me, but now something unexpected has happened. And now I feel like I'm a million miles away from your purpose and your plan and maybe even your presence. And we can kind of have that feeling of I'm not supposed to be here. Maybe you've experienced that in a relationship. Uh, maybe a relationship didn't go the way you thought it was supposed to go. Maybe you've experienced that in, in a job or career and you felt like God had put a call on your life and, and then things went away that you didn't expect them to go and you said in your heart, this wasn't supposed to go this way. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe. Even as you're trying to serve God, you've encountered circumstances and you say in your heart, my family isn't supposed to be this way. Maybe it's even in your own relationship with God. Maybe you have been or maybe you are today in a place where you feel distant from God and you feel like, God, I don't think it's supposed to be this way. I'm not supposed to be here. 
I'm not supposed to be here. I feel like there is a million mile gap between what you have said and what I see in the natural. And here as Israel and the Jewish people are in that place, God speaks to them through the prophet Jeremiah. This word, for I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. What a powerful message that I believe is really like a a little gospel nugget in the middle of Jeremiah. A, a, A little verse that really contains the good news of Jesus Christ, that regardless of where you're at, in the natural, regardless of what your circumstances may seem to be in the natural. We know that God is not far from us. Through Jesus Christ, God has shown, He has proven His plans for us, that they are good plans, that He has a good future, that He has a good hope for every single one of us. But the reality is, even as we hear the gospel or as we hear this declaration of hope, that every single one of us faces a decision. You see, when you're in that place where there seems to be a gap between what God has said and what you see, you have a decision to make. When you're in the gap, you have a decision to make. And I don't mean the clothing store. I mean, when you're in that place where you feel that you're distant from God's plan and purpose for our lives. You have a decision. Are you going to believe the word of God? Are you going to go to the place of faith? Are you going to feel that God has forsaken you? The Jewish people had a decision to make. Are they going to say God has forsaken us? Uh, I'm forsaken. Or are they going to say I'm in faith? I'm in faith for what God has said for us. You see, when we fall into that place of sensing that we're forsaken, we say, God, you're a million miles away. God, you've left me. God, I'm not sure that you're good. God, I'm not sure that you're with me. God, I'm not sure that that what you have said you will do. But when we're in the place of faith, we say, God, even though my circumstances don't look good, God, I know you are good. God, even though I don't feel like I'm where I want to be, God, I believe that you're with me. God, even though there's a distance between what you have said and what I see, God, I'm going to choose to believe what you've said, even over what I see in the natural. Every single one of us has that opportunity. You see, when there is a gap between what you see and what God says, faith fills the gap between what you see and what God says. And every single one of us has the opportunity today, and we really, together as a church family, and even as, a, as the world, have an opportunity. Will we believe what God says? Will we be in the place of faith? Will we allow the goodness of God to be that theme that overflows out of our lives? Will we choose to allow faith to fill the gap. If you have a gap, you have a choice to make. Will you allow faith to fill the gap? And you see, if we're a people of faith, our faith will manifest itself in faithfulness. And here in this passage in Jeremiah, 
not only is this beautiful, is there this beautiful declaration of this little gospel nugget in verse 11, but God also gives practical direction to the Jewish people that I believe contains guidance for every single one of us. If you're in that gap today, if you feel like you're in exile, that you're distant from God's plan and God's purpose, not only are we to be in faith, but we're to be faithful in the place that we're at. And so I want to read to you, I want to just look at a few things that this passage says that I believe contain keys for every single one of us. Look with me in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4 says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who are carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Verse 5, look at what he says. Number one, he says, build houses. Build houses. You see, if you are a refugee, if you are in exile, if you've been carried away to a place that you don't want to be, the very last thing that you want to do is build a house. You don't want to build a house there. You want to get out of there. You don't want to invest into that place. You want to get out of there as quickly as possible. I don't, I don't know if you've ever met a person that just feels like they don't want to be where they're at. They want to be somewhere else as quickly as possible. It's kind of a motel mentality. I'm going to live out of my suitcase. I'm just passing through. I'm not settling in. I'm just going to be moving on my way. Oftentimes that motel mentality, so to speak, living out of a proverbial suitcase, never unpacking in the moment that they're in, kind of has that idea of, you know, God's plan, God's purpose is always somewhere in the future. If I could just get around the next corner, if I could just get into the next season, the next place, if I could just go somewhere else, then I'd really experience the goodness of God. I'd really find God's plan and God's purpose for my life. And for the Jewish people, they really had a reason to feel that way. They wanted to go back to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was where God lived. Jerusalem was the place that God had promised that he would dwell with them, that his presence would be with them, and that as his presence was with them, that he would bless them. So they're saying, we don't want to build houses in Babylon. We want to go back to Jerusalem because that's where God lives. But the thing that they forgot is that God was with them before they ever went to Jerusalem. Before God ever lived in Jerusalem, He lived with them even in the desert. God wasn't in Jerusalem before they got there. They were carrying the presence of God on those uh, in the Ark of the Covenant, on, in poles on their shoulders, so to speak, carrying the presence of God into the place that they were. And the reality is for every single one of us, even when we find ourselves in a place that we don't want to be, when we recognize that God's presence is with us because we are carriers of the presence of God, we can recognize that the greatest place on earth is the place that we're at. Because wherever God's presence is at, that place becomes our home. And God was speaking to the Jewish people. I want you to build houses. I want you to get, be, be at home. Unpack your suitcase in the place you're at. You see, they had lost their worship. They had left their worship in Jerusalem rather than bringing worship into the place 
they were. You see, even as God says, build houses and dwell in them, I believe we could say it this way. If you're in the place of exile, if you're in that gap, that we need to be faithful in worship. Be faithful in worship. The Bible records in Psalm 137, the, the words of the Jewish people as they were in exile in Babylon. And it says this, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. It goes on to say, how can we sing the songs of God in a strange land? You see, they had become dependent on a certain worship environment, a certain worship experience, a certain place of worship, as opposed to being what Jesus calls true worshipers. Jesus says true worshipers aren't limited to this place or that place, but we have learned how to worship in spirit. You see, when you learn how to worship, you learn how to welcome the presence of God into the place that you're at. And when you welcome the presence of God in the place that you're at, it may be the last place on earth you wanted to be before, but that place will become the greatest place on earth. I love what God says through Ezekiel, another prophet who prophesied to the Jewish people at the same time. In Ezekiel chapter 11, God gives this little promise to the Jewish people as they are in, in Babylon. He says this, Although I have cast them among the Gentiles, and although I have scattered them among the countries, listen to this, yet I shall be a little sanctuary for them. I love that. I shall be a little sanctuary. You see, we can all fall into that motel mentality. We can live out of our suitcase thinking that some place is going to be better. But God said to Israel, don't just look to go back to Jerusalem. I shall be a sanctuary. I am the place that, that you experience that joy, that security. I am the place of blessing. And I believe even as we are in this season where worship practically looks different than maybe what we're used to. Maybe today you're by yourself or maybe today it's just you and your family or maybe you're in a house church and it's a little different than what you're used to. It doesn't have the same atmosphere that you're used to. Maybe God is teaching us how to be true worshipers, not to be dependent on an atmosphere, but to, to carry the presence of God into the atmosphere that we're at. I don't have the time to unpack all of the historical context as they built houses in Jerusalem, but those houses became uh, a, a little place where they experienced the presence of God. We could say it this way. It was kind of the original house church. Even as they were in Babylon, they were to turn their homes into these little sanctuaries of meeting with God. They were to recognize that although they were far from the priest in Jerusalem, that they could be priests, that they could experience the presence of God. Historians tell us that this, these little sanctuaries in their homes became the, the forerunner to the synagogue, which if you read the life of Jesus, some of Jesus's greatest ministry happened in the synagogue, which was originated out of these homes in Babylon where people, uh, instead of longing to go to Jerusalem, they said, we're going to welcome the presence of God into the place that we're at. I love what Augustine of Hippo said. He said, thou has made us for thyself, O Lord, 
and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. We can live perpetually thinking, if I could just get to this place, maybe that's a geographic place or maybe that's a place in life, then I'd really experience God's blessing. But I believe God is saying here, just be faithful in worship in the place you're at. Welcome my presence in the place you're at because my presence ultimately is what makes that place the greatest place on earth. I was so encouraged last week as I began to be able to visit in some of the house churches and I look forward to visiting more of you and seeing more of you in the weeks to come. But man, I was so blessed as people were gathering and I've heard the reports of other house churches as people are gathering together, worshiping God in their homes. I know it looks different, but I believe God wants to meet with us wherever we're at. So number one, God said, build houses, or as I would say, be faithful in worship. The second thing that God says is, is this. He says, build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Plant gardens. Again, not only if you're, if you're a refugee, you don't want to build a house, but you also don't want to plant a garden because you don't have to, have, uh, to do very much gardening to know that gardens take time to produce fruit. And if you are a refugee, the one thing you don't want to do is stick around long enough for that harvest to come. But God says, I want you to sow into the season where you're at. You see, they could have had the mentality, well, in, in order for them to sow, they had to have some seed. And I don't know, but I kind of have the thought they could have said, well, I'm just going to save my seed until we get back to Jerusalem because that is actually a better place to sow. If you know the, the history of the, the promised land, it was a fertile place. It was a place with, with a great agricultural climate. And they could have said, well, we're just going to save our seed until we get a better opportunity. Have you ever met somebody that is perpetually looking for a better opportunity? Perpetually looking for, maybe it's the next job, maybe it's the next uh, opportunity to, to sow their seed, to use what they have. God says to Israel, I want you, don't wait until you get back to Jerusalem, sow in the season you're at. If I could say it this way, I would say this, be faithful in serving. Use what you have in the place that you're at. You see, the, the seed they sowed in Babylon would produce a harvest that would contain more seed that they would carry back to Jerusalem. If you are faithful to sow and to serve in the season you're in, it will produce a greater blessing in the season to come. Maybe you feel like you're distant from the calling, distant maybe from the, the place that God has you in terms of work or in terms of vocation. Maybe even during this time, your job has changed and, and, and you feel like you've been plucked out of the place of purpose that you had been living in, the place of potential that you had been living in. I want to tell you this, be faithful to serve in the place you're at. Be faithful to sow in the season you're in. Oftentimes in scripture, seed speaks of generosity. The Bible talks in the, the book of Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. It says, there is one who scatters yet increases more. 
and there is one who withholds more than right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters others will himself be refreshed or will himself be watered. Using that agricultural imagery of sowing in, of watering, of growing a a garden, so to speak, as an illustration of generosity, using what we have where we're at to produce a harvest, not just for ourselves, but for the benefit of others. You see, if you perpetually wait for the perfect opportunity, you'll end up doing nothing. You can wait your whole life for the perfect job, the perfect opportunity, and you'll be waiting your whole life. But God says, don't wait. Be faithful in serving where you're at. Plant gardens where you're at. I was so blessed last fall after we began our series, Milk and Honey, where we were really talking about God's plan and purpose to bless our lives and as we're faithful specifically with our finances, the, the, the produce of our work. And uh, there was a person who came up to me after a service one Sunday and said, Pastor Justin, I'm so excited. I'm so excited because I'm giving my first tithe check today. They said, I'm excited and I'm also ashamed because I've been in church for many, many years, but I've never practiced tithing, this practice of sowing and reaping as the scripture says. And they told me about how they felt like they, they really couldn't afford to be generous at that time because there was a lot of insecurity in their job. They weren't even sure. They said how they could buy groceries that week. But they said, I, I know that God has called me to be faithful in this, to honor him with my wealth, to trust that as I sow in the season that I'm in, that he will produce a harvest of greater things. And honestly, as they talked to me, I thought, they're not sure if they're going to have groceries this week. Maybe, maybe we need to give them groceries, which we do oftentimes for people in our church and outside of our church. We, through your generosity, we've been able to bless other people, pay people's rent, provide groceries, meet the needs of other people in this season. So thank you so much for being faithful. But as she was saying that to me, I felt maybe I need to help her. Maybe we need to help her. And I felt like the Lord just said to me, no. You're not going to solve this problem. I want to show her my faithfulness. Let me show her my faithfulness. Don't meet the need. I'm going to meet the need. She gave her tithe check that week. And just a couple of weeks later, she said, Pastor Justin, I'm so excited. God has given me a promotion. I am so blessed. I can't hardly even keep up with the work. Why is that? She had been faithful in sowing and generosity and serving in the season she was in. Oftentimes we miss the opportunities that God gives us because it doesn't look like the perfect moment. Uh, Thomas Edison said it this way, opportunity is missed by most because it shows up in overalls and looks like work. I love that. It shows up in overalls and looks like work. It looks like sacrifice. Kind of looks like a farmer. Kind of looks like sowing in the season you're in. And just as God said to Israel, be faithful. Uh, Plant gardens. Eat of their fruit in the place that you're at. I want to tell you today, be faithful in sowing and serving in the season that you're in. And trust God for a harvest of increase in the future. The third thing that God says, he goes on to say this, build houses and dwell in them, 
plant gardens and eat their fruit. And then listen to what he says, take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and daughters and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased and not diminished. Take wives. In other words, get relationally connected. Notice he says, take wives, get married. Why? Uh, And I don't believe that that means it's God's will for every person to get married, but I, I think he says, take wives because that speaks of covenant relationship. And you know, I think probably the Jewish people at that time were saying, God, we're not going to take wives from Babylon. We want to go back to our people. We want to go back to the Jewish people. You see, not everybody had been taken captive into Babylon. It was only a small group of people. There was many people back in Judah and they felt like we're not going to take wives here. We're not going to get connected with these people. We're going to wait for some other people. And oftentimes when we're in that place of exile, uh, we don't get relationally connected. And, And I believe God is saying to us, even in the season that we're in, be faithful in relationships, be faithful in worship, be faithful in serving, be faithful in relationships. You see, oftentimes we can think, well, I'm not going to connect with the people where I'm at. I'm going to wait for a better opportunity. I'm looking for a better spouse. I'm looking for a better friend. I'm waiting for the perfect church. If you're waiting for the perfect friend, if you're waiting for the perfect spouse, if you're waiting for the perfect church, you are going to find yourself profoundly isolated. I think we could say it this way, love the ones you're with. Be faithful in relationships. Be faithful in the place that you're at to build relationships. And even in this season, as we're separated physically, it could be so easy to become isolated relationally. I know every single one of us probably have different levels of comfort and interaction and regarding social distancing and how we can relate with other people in this season. But I want to encourage you, God never meant for you to be alone. He meant for you to be relationally connected with others. That's what church is all about. Maybe even if you are feeling that you need to be separated physically, I want to tell you, work harder to be connected relationally. Call people. Maybe some of you feel that you can gather. Join us in a house church gathering. Actually, this coming Saturday, we're going to be having a church picnic. You're going to be hearing more information about that. But what are we doing? We're just trying to provide opportunity for us to stay connected relationally, to be, to, to be connected where we're at, to be faithful in relationships. We need each other. You can't serve God on your own. The Bible says it this way in Proverbs 18, 24, a man who has friends must show himself friendly. In other words, must sow into relationship. Relationship takes effort. We all need moments that we have to separate ourselves from the busyness of life to be with God, not just to be by ourselves. There's actually no biblical basis for just uh, isolation in the name of self-care. But there is a place of being away from people to be with God. But then we always go back to community. Maybe you've allowed yourself to be relationally distant. Maybe you've allowed yourself to be cut off from the divine 
appropriately appointed relationships that God has for you. I want to encourage you in this season, be faithful in relationships. You have, if you're in this place of, of disconnect, as we all can be in this place of exile, I believe we have a decision to make. Are we going to allow the distance to produce disconnection from God, from our purpose, from one another? Are we going to be faithful in worship, in the presence of God? Are we going to be faithful in serving in the place that we're at? Be faithful in relationships, even if it doesn't feel like the perfect person. And we'd be faithful in relationships and we'd trust God to fulfill his word. As we prepare to pray, I want to remind you of this word as God said to Israel, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I know the thoughts I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And I'm glad to tell you, you, every single one of you, regardless of where you're at today, that that is God's plan. That is God's purpose. He is for you. He's not against you. He is with you, even in this moment. And perhaps this moment of pain is actually an opportunity for God to work. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says that God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. He says, pain is God's megaphone to rouse a sleeping world. And I believe that God is, is shouting to us, I love you, I'm with you, I'm for you, I am your great reward. I believe he's shouting to us and he's shouting to the whole world, even in the midst of the suffering, that he is with us and he'll never leave us or forsake us. Would you bow your heads right where you're at today? I want to pray for you. God, I thank you, Lord, for this wonderful promise, this little gospel nugget that we have read today, that you are with us, that you are for us, that you have good thoughts towards us. And Lord, today I pray that wherever we're at, Father, we would be reminded of your goodness towards us. God, we would be reminded that you are with us. Lord, I pray we would be faithful in worship. Lord, that we would not allow this season to produce spiritual disconnection. God, I pray we would be faithful in serving, that we would do what we can with what we have, where we're at, trusting you to bring us into everything that you have for us. God, I pray that we would be faithful in relationships. God, even perhaps in house church or in small group and our friendships that we have, Lord, as we see the flaws, the shortcomings that we all have. Father, we pray that it would be an opportunity for us to demonstrate your love, your grace, one to another. God, I pray your blessing upon every single person today. I pray that you would take this word and God, let it produce faith in our hearts that we would fulfill your plan for our lives in this season. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And I want to encourage you just to take this word, to meditate on it. Maybe you need to review some of the scriptures. Maybe if you're in the house church gathering, take some time to discuss this. And I believe that God's going to bring good things for every single one of us. So thanks so much for joining us today. God bless you. Have an awesome, awesome week. I look forward to seeing you soon.